Today is March 21st, and this is the One Year Bible Tour, where we read together the entire Bible in a year, with daily progress being made in both the Old and New Testaments and the Book of Psalms and Proverbs. My name is David McAdam, and I'm pleased to serve as your tour guide as we make our daily excursions through God's Holy Word. My wife and I have recently enjoyed Jules Verne's Around the World in 80 Days. If you have been with us from the beginning of the year, today is the 80th day, and although we haven't circled the globe, we have covered a lot of territory, making our way through the book of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and now we are 40 years into the wilderness wandering of the children of Israel, and today we will have visited 33 camping sites by the time we get to Numbers chapter 33. We also will observe evidence in the New Testament that Jesus of Nazareth is the Holy Son of God. His authority will be demonstrated over demons, sickness, and nature, as He alone has the authority to forgive sins and to deliver us from the death sentence that our sins deserve. So let's get started picking up our journey in the Old Testament book of Numbers, chapter 32, beginning with verse 1. Reuben and Gad settle in Gilead. Now the people of Reuben and the people of Gad had a very great number of livestock, and they saw the land of Jazer and the land of Gilead. And behold, the place was a place for livestock. So the people of Gad and the people of Reuben came and said to Moses and to Eleazar the priest and to the chiefs of the congregation, Atoroth, Dibon, Jazer, Nimrah, Heshbon, Lealech, Seban, Nebo, and Baon, the land that the Lord struck down before the congregation of Israel is a land for livestock, and your servants have livestock. And they said, If we have found favor in your sight, let this land be given to your servants for a possession. Do not take us across the Jordan. But Moses said to the people of Gad and to the people of Reuben, Shall your brothers go to the war while you sit here? Why will you discourage the heart of the people of Israel from going over into the land that the Lord has given them? Your fathers did this when I sent them from Gadesh Barnea to see the land. For when they went up to the valley of Eschol and saw the land, they discouraged the heart of the people of Israel from going into the land that the Lord had given them. And the Lord's anger was kindled on that day, and he swore, saying, Surely none of the men who came out of Egypt from twenty years old and upward shall see the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, because they have not wholly followed me, none except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, and Joshua, the son of Nun, for they have wholly followed the Lord. And the Lord's anger was kindled against Israel, and he made them wander in the wilderness forty years, until all the generation that had done evil in the sight of the Lord was gone. And behold, you have risen in your father's place, a brood of sinful men, to increase still more the fierce anger of the Lord against Israel. For if you turn away from following him, He will again abandon them in the wilderness, and you will destroy all this people. Then they came near to him and said, We will build sheepfolds here for our livestock and cities for our little ones, but we will take up arms, ready to go before the people of Israel, until we have brought them to their place. And our little ones shall live in the fortified cities because of the inhabitants of the land. We will not return to our homes until each of the people of Israel has gained his inheritance. For we will not inherit with them on the other side of the Jordan 
and beyond, because our inheritance has come to us on this side of the Jordan to the east. So Moses said to them, If you will do this, if you will take up arms to go before the Lord for the war, and every armed man of you will pass over the Jordan before the Lord, until he has driven out his enemies from before him, and the land is subdued before the Lord, then, after that, you shall return and be free of obligation to the Lord and to Israel, and this land shall be your possession before the Lord. But if you will not do so, behold, you have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. Build cities for your little ones, and folds for your sheep, and do what you have promised. And the people of Gad and the people of Reuben said to Moses, Your servants will do as my Lord commands. Our little ones, our wives, our livestock, and all our cattle shall remain there in the cities of Gilead. But your servants will pass over, every man who is armed for war, before the Lord to battle, as my Lord orders. So Moses gave command concerning them to Eleazar the priest and to Joshua the son of Nun and to the heads of the fathers' houses of the tribes of the people of Israel. And Moses said to them, If the people of Gad and the people of Reuben, every man who is armed to battle before the Lord, will pass with you over the Jordan, and the land shall be subdued before you, then you shall give them the land of Gilead for a possession. However, if they will not pass over with you armed, they shall have possessions among you in the land of Canaan. And the people of Gad and the people of Reuben answered, What the Lord has said to your servants, we will do. We will pass over armed before the Lord into the land of Canaan, and the possession of our inheritance shall remain with us beyond the Jordan. And Moses gave to them, to the people of Gad and to the people of Reuben, and to the half-tribe of Manasseh, the son of Joseph, the kingdom of Sihon, king of the Amorites, and the kingdom of Og, king of Bashan, the land and its cities with their territories, the cities of the land throughout the country. And the people of Gad built Dibon, Ataroth, Ararer, Atroth Shophan, Jazer, Jagbeha, Beth Nimrah, and Beth Haran, fortified cities and folds for sheep. And the people of Reuben built Heshbon, Eliala, Kiriathaim, Nebo, Baal Meon, their names were changed, and Sibma. And they gave other names to the cities that they built. And the sons of Machir, the son of Manasseh, went to Gilead and captured it, and dispossessed the Amorites who were in it. And Moses gave Gilead to Machir, the son of Manasseh, and he settled in it. And Jair, the son of Manasseh, went and captured their villages, and called them Havoth Jair. And Nobah went and captured Kenath and its villages, and called it Nobah after his own name. Chapter 33 Recounting Israel's Journey These are the stages of the people of Israel when they went out of the land of Egypt by their companies under the leadership of Moses and Aaron. Moses wrote down their starting places stage by stage by command of the Lord, and these are their stages according to their starting places. They set out from Ramses in the first month on the fifteenth day of the first month. On the day after the Passover, the people of Israel went out triumphantly in the sight of all the Egyptians, while the Egyptians were burying all their firstborn, 
whom the Lord had struck down among them. On their gods also the Lord executed judgments. So the people of Israel set out from Ramses and camped at Succoth. And they set out from Succoth and camped at Etham, which is on the edge of the wilderness. And they set out from Etham and turned back to Pi-Hahiroth, which is east of Baal-Zephon. And they camped before Migdal. And they set out from before Hahiroth and passed through the midst of the sea into the wilderness, and they went a three days' journey in the wilderness of Etham, and camped at Marah. And they set out from Marah, and came to Elam. At Elam there were twelve springs of water, and seventy palm trees, and they camped there. And they set out from Elam, and camped by the Red Sea. And they set out from the Red Sea, and camped in the wilderness of Sin. And they set out from the wilderness of Sin, and camped at Dabkah, and they set out from Dabkah, and camped at Alush, and they set out from Alush, and camped at Rephidim, where there was no water for the people to drink, and they set out from Rephidim, and camped in the wilderness of Sinai, and they set out from the wilderness of Sinai, and camped at Kibroth Hatava, and they set out from Kibroth Hataava, and camped at Hazaroth, and they set out from Hazaroth, and camped at Rithma, and they set out from Rithma, and camped at Rimon Perez, and they set out from Rimon Perez, and camped at Libna, and they set out from Libna, and camped at Rissa, and they set out from Rissa, and camped at Hehelatha, and they set out from Kehelatha, and camped at Mount Shefer, and they set out from Mount Shefer, and camped at Harada, and they set out from Harada, and camped at Machaloth, and they set out from Machaloth, and camped at Tahath, and they set out from Tahath, and camped at Terah, and they set out from Terah, and camped at Mithkah, and they set out from Mithkah, and camped at Hashmonah, and they set out from Hashmonah, and camped at Mozaroth, and they set out from Mozaroth, and camped at Benejahakan, and they set out from Benejahakan, and camped at Hor Hagidgad. And they set out from Hor Hagidgad and camped at Jotbatha. And they set out from Jotbatha and camped at Abrona. And they set out from Abrona and camped at Ezion Geber. And they set out from Ezion Geber and camped in the wilderness of Zin, that is Kadesh. And they set out from Kadesh and camped at Mount Hor on the edge of the land of Edom. And Aaron the priest went up Mount Hor at the command of the Lord and died there, in the fortieth year after the people of Israel had come out of the land of Egypt, on the first day of the fifth month. And Aaron was a hundred and twenty-three years old when he died on Mount Hor. This concludes our reading from the Old Testament book of Numbers, and that was quite a summary. In Numbers chapter 32, the Reubenites and Gadites settled for less than what God promised. All twelve tribes had traveled with the goal of settling in the promised land for forty years and were on the brink of possessing it when the Reubenites and the Gadites decided that it would be better for them to settle on the grazing fields east of the Jordan River. They stopped short of possessing the land that was promised to them. They had driven the enemy out of the lands of Jazir and Gilead and decided that, according to their own minds, the location suited their needs. What was wrong with that? It appeared to be right for their business. The land was ideal for their livestock. It appeared to be in the best interests of their family's security. The land had already been conquered, 
and they would build fortified cities to keep their children out of harm's way, far from the Canaanite battlefront. How could a decision which looked most promising for business and family be wrong? Because it fell short of what God had promised. They were called to be the people of the covenant and to live in the land that God promised to give them. Their destiny was to rest in the victory that God would give them as an inheritance and not to settle for less. God has the big picture in view for our lives. Our stories are part of a larger story. He loves us and has our best interests in mind. He also knows what is best for our families, our businesses, future generations, and much more. He wants us to possess what He has provided for us. This cannot happen when we compromise our obedience to His revealed will and make decisions simply based on our sense of what seems right in our own eyes. However, God is sovereign. He knows what is best, and in His Word we find His will of command. But He is also gracious. We also know that He works everything according to His will, His will of decree, sometimes referred to as His permissive will. His purposes will not be thwarted. He knows our weaknesses. He understands our sinful hearts and recognizes our poor decisions and their repercussions. He works with those decisions in His permissive will, maintaining His sovereignty, showing mercy to whom He will show mercy, and compassion on whom He will have compassion. Exodus chapter 33, verse 19, Romans chapter 9, verse 14. He allows things that He does not like. He lets the tribes of Reuben and Gad settle on the east side of the Jordan after the conquest of Canaan. We learn that half the tribe of Manasseh will join them. What about us? Have we compromised our obedience, settling for less than what God has promised? Are we afraid of future spiritual battles that come with fresh obedience to God? Do we opt for what looks suitable solely on the basis of our own needs? Are we leaning on our own understanding of what is best instead of trusting God for what He said is best? After forty years' journey, two of the tribes are wanting to stop short of the finish line. God has told this generation that victory was within reach, but they were opting for something far less. But it looked comfortable, convenient, and less threatening. Comfort and convenience are often faith killers. We can easily build our little fortresses to protect ourselves from taking risks. We may have an eye for our business, but not necessarily for the glory of God. We can build a shelter for our little ones, but on the wrong side of the river. We rationalize that we don't want our children to be exposed to the real spiritual battle, yet they become further casualties of our compromise. We have learned that there are two wills of God. There is the will of command, that is His declared will, let us have ears for it. Then there is the permissive will, which includes humans suffering the consequences of their disobedience. In this regard, two apparently contradictory truths are held together in tension. God is sovereign and human beings are responsible. Let us not give in to the rationalizations of our own human reasoning that put the interests of idolatries over those of the living God. Faith comes by hearing what God has made known in His Word. The Reubenites and Gadites, in disregard for the will of command, make their plea, Do not take us across the Jordan. Self-interest and self-preservation have become their cloud by day and fire by night. Moses rebukes them on at least eight counts. Number one, their failure to trust God for what He promised. 
victory in and possession of the promised land. Number two, their unwillingness to identify with God's purpose in the conquest of Canaan, representative of the spiritual battle in which we are to resist and subdue the enemy in the name of the Lord. But Moses said to the sons of Gad and to the sons of Reuben, Shall your brothers go to war while you yourselves sit here? Numbers 32, 6. Number three, their failure to put the interests of their brothers above their own. Their decisions only took into account their own felt needs. Number four, their failure to recognize the discouraging impact of their actions upon others. They were setting the tone for spiritual compromise, self-interest, and discouragement. Our own lack of full participation in God's purposes has a demoralizing effect on the people of God. Number five, they failed to learn the lessons of their past. Moses reminds them that their fathers were destroyed in the wilderness because of their unbelief that they could defeat the enemy and settle in the promised land. Number six, they failed to follow the examples of those who fully followed the Lord, that is, the examples of Caleb and Joshua. Number seven, they failed to understand God's estimation of their behavior. God saw them as a brood of sinful men in Numbers 32.14. Notice as you read the New Testament that John the Baptist and Jesus are not afraid to let people know how God sees them using similar words. John the Baptist says in Matthew chapter 3, verse 7, But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he, John the Baptist, said, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Jesus says in Matthew 12, verse 34, You brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak what is good? For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. In Matthew 23, verse 33, he says, You serpents, you brood of vipers, how will you escape the sentence of hell? The eighth rebuke was the failure to pursue the revealed will of God that will bring chastisement upon all the people. Moses says, For if you turn away from following him, he will once more abandon them in the wilderness, and you will destroy all these people. Numbers 32.15 The Reubenites and Gadites hear Moses' rebuke and repent to the degree that their fighting men will cross the Jordan and go out to the front lines with the rest of the people of Israel. They promise that they will not return to their homes on the east side of the Jordan until every one of the sons of Israel has possessed his inheritance. However, their compromise is displayed in verse 19. For we will not have an inheritance with them on the other side of the Jordan and beyond, because our inheritance has fallen to us on this side of the Jordan toward the east. How often do we choose for ourselves instead of choosing what God has chosen for us, His chosen people? Moses accepts this compromise. We cannot help but wonder why Moses fails to do what we have seen him do consistently in the book of Exodus and Numbers. He fails to speak to the Lord. We do not have any record of the Lord speaking in this chapter. But Moses makes a reference to one aspect of the Lord's role in this. The Lord hears the promises we make. So Moses said to them, If you will do this, if you will arm yourselves before the Lord for the war, and all of you armed men cross over the Jordan before the Lord until he has driven his enemies out from before him, and the land is subdued before the Lord, then afterward you shall return and be free of obligation toward the Lord and toward Israel, and this land shall be yours for a possession before the Lord. But if you will not do so, behold, you have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. 
Numbers chapter 32, verses 20 to 23. The Lord knows whether our conduct is in accordance with our promises. What is hidden to others is not hidden from God. In Numbers chapter 3, we have the 33 camping sites of their journey. Israel, whom God called His Son, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness after the exodus for 40 years of testing. In our New Testament reading, we see God's Son, Jesus, led into the wilderness for 40 days. Where Israel demonstrated unbelief, Jesus demonstrated perfect faith, a perfect disposition of dependence upon God and trust in every word that proceeded out of His mouth. He expressed perfect obedience to the will of God the Father. It is interesting to observe that Jesus had a 33-year journey tabernacling among us. The children of Israel had 33 recorded locations at which they camped. You can see each of these 33 locations marked on the map that accompanies this one-year Bible reading plan. If you're subscribed to it, you can get a copy of that. You can also access it on our blog at our website at newlife.org. Now for our reading from the New Testament, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, verses 31 through chapter 5, verse 11. Jesus heals a man with an unclean demon. And he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath, and they were astonished at his teaching, for his word possessed authority. And in the synagogue there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, Ha! What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him, having done him no harm. And they were all amazed and said to one another, What is this word? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And reports about him went out in every place in the surrounding region. And he arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and they appealed to him on her behalf. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her, and immediately she rose and began to serve them. Now when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak, because they knew that he was the Christ. And when it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place. And the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Chapter 5 On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, 
they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats, so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all those who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. This is the end of our New Testament reading. We pick up the account of Jesus' ministry when he goes to the city of Capernaum, the fishing village, hometown of Peter, Andrew, and James, and John, which is on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. I've had the privilege of visiting the sites of the synagogues of Nazareth and Capernaum, and we are told that they taught from the sitting position. Jesus taught with authority in the synagogue. That authority was recognized by not just the people of Capernaum, but the demons who screamed out from a man in the synagogue service, Let us alone! The demons were being tormented by the truth that they had heard. They anticipated their doom. Have you come to destroy us? As we saw in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, the first to confess Jesus as the Holy One sent from God, the only human being without sin, and the Son of God, were the demons, in Luke 4, verse 34, and chapter 4, verse 41. And Jesus was not going to give the demons the privilege of witnessing to these facts, nor would he trust his testimony to them. He demonstrates his authority over demons by exercising them and silencing them. Jesus demonstrates his authority not only over unclean spirits, but also spirits of infirmity. He demonstrated the kingdom age to come in his authority over sickness, healing Peter's mother-in-law and multitudes in Galilee. Jesus preaches outdoors and devises a brilliant way to speak and be heard by getting into Simon Peter's boat and moving it as a portable pulpit where his voice would be amplified by the lake's water service. When he finishes speaking, he demonstrates his authority over nature by commanding a miraculous catch of fish in an area where Peter had previously caught nothing. This is what Jesus wants us to know. That which is not possible with man is possible with God. The catch is so great that the nets begin to break and the boats to sink, overwhelming their natural capacity. This is eventually contrasted with a similar miracle after the resurrection in the Gospel of John chapter 21, in which the nets do not break and the boats do not begin to sink. It is a picture of the supernatural capacity God puts within us as we identify with Christ and His death for us on the cross. We become partakers of the resurrection life of Jesus as we are recommissioned in Him. Peter is humbled by the display of God's grace in the person of Jesus and falls down at Jesus' feet saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 10, Jesus gives his first commissioning of Simon Peter and fellow fishermen, John, James, and Andrew. Do not fear, from now on you will be catching men. And notice their response. When they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Luke 5, verse 11. And now for today's reading from the book of Psalms, Psalm 64, verses 1 through 4. And reading today's psalm will be Heather McAdam. Hide me from the wicked. To the choir master, a psalm of David. 
Hear my voice, O God, in my complaint. Preserve my life from dread of the enemy. Hide me from the secret plots of the wicked, from the throng of evildoers, who wet their tongues like swords, who aim bitter words like arrows, shooting from ambush at the blameless, shooting at him suddenly and without fear. They hold fast to their evil purpose. They talk of laying snares secretly, thinking, who can see them? They search out injustice, saying, we have accomplished a diligent search, for the inward mind and heart of a man are deep. But God shoots his arrow at them. They are wounded suddenly. They are brought to ruin with their own tongues turned against them. All who see them will wag their heads. Then all mankind fears. They tell what God has brought about and ponder what he has done. Let the righteous one rejoice in the Lord and take refuge in him. Let all the upright in heart exult. That's right. We who are in the Lord can rejoice in the Lord. Thank you, Heather. Franklin Delano Roosevelt said in the light of the pessimistic economic forecast of his day, We have nothing to fear but fear itself. The psalmist asked God to preserve his life from the dread of the enemy. Hear my voice, O God, in my complaint. Preserve my life from dread of the enemy. We are not to live dreading the enemy. The psalmist was aware of his enemy's dreadful strategies. They plot against him, fire malicious words, harbor bitter resentment, and search out reasons to discredit his motives and actions in verses 2 through 6. But he chooses to focus on the righteous work of God in verse 9, the finished work of Christ. The Lord provides a refuge for those who trust in him. And now we read today's proverb, Proverbs 11, verse 22. Like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman without discretion. All I can say is that a person lacking discretion is not a beautiful picture. Let's pray. Lord, may self-preservation and self-interest not become my cloud by day and fire by night. Help me to pursue your choice purposes, your will of command. I know that you, the lover of our souls, delight in what is best for your beloved. So may my obedience be both joyful and uncompromised. Direct my focus on your righteous deed on my behalf, the finished work of the cross, that I might walk in the Spirit, putting to death all works of the flesh. Give me discretion in my daily decisions, conversations, and wisdom for the expenditure of my time and my energy. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining with us today. It was a blessing to be reading the Word of God together, and God willing, we'll be back tomorrow as we press on with the one-year Bible tour. I always like to remind you that we provide a free service sending out a daily email with a written copy of our commentary on each day's portion with color maps, charts, and illustrations that folks find helpful. You can subscribe to this free service by going to our website, newlife.org. And you can always contact us by email. Our email address is podcast at newlife.org. We're happy to field your questions, receive feedback, uh, prayer requests, and learn more how we can be of encouragement to you. You can also help us in our mission to spread the Word of God through this podcast by indicating that it's a blessing to you, subscribing wherever you get your podcasts, leaving a review, or giving us a like. 
So until next time, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Shalom. Peace be with you.